A change, don't you remember this? I heard it on a radio broadcast once, but a change in place and a change in pace challenge your perspective or change your perspective. So when people come up here for a week, they wonder why is it so valuable that they come? Because it's a change in place and it's a change in pace. And so we provide the change. You guys, you know, if they're not used to riding horses, they're not used to in a lake, you know, with all the, the, the sharks in it and stuff like that, you know, you, you provide the change in place and pace because they're out of what they normally do. And so their perspective gets challenged. And you'll find that yours does too. Um, some of you, when you go back, you'll find that you slip right back into where you came from because everything gets you right back into it. Things that remind you of everything that you thought before are there. Um, I, I always suggest rearrange something in your room or your house to remind you that you're different than when you left. And it may be something very little, but rearrange it anyway. Um, for me, I might drink out of a different coffee mug. You know, that's a huge step. That's uh, different. So I, I've been doing what if series with you. And, and basically, it's some of you don't struggle with these what ifs, some of you do. But, but what if? What if we think this way? And if we do, what are the ramifications of thinking the way that we think, if it's not correct? Today, what if adding to God's word is as bad as subtracting from his word? Like a lot of times you think, well, that's not in the Bible. But, but what if we add things to God's word? Is that just as bad as subtracting things? And that's something a lot of times we don't think about. Because what we do is we're, we're thinking, you know what? I think, I think certain things, that's fine. You can think certain things, but did God say those things? Let me read um, a passage to you. Revelation 22, 12 to 20. And behold, of course, this is the end of the Bible. I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Okay, now, we talked about accountability. We talked about who God is. And uh, obviously God's saying here, this is what's going to happen. I'm the Alpha and Omega. God, God is the one who created things. He was from the beginning. He'll, he'll always be there. You can say, I disagree. doesn't really matter. That's the way it is. So he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I tell you, if you just understand that sentence and apply it, you're good. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. And that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And we, we talked about falsehood. We talked about false teachers already this summer. I, Jesus, have set my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. Now, again, I'm trying to get to a point here. I'm not trying to teach you through this passage. So I'm just reading it. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride says, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. I'm warning you, if you hear what I've said, if anyone adds to them, there's the part I wanted to get to. If anyone adds to what I've said, that's not right. 
It's a warning. Don't add to the scriptures. Sometimes we want to elevate our own understanding to that. We can't. We can't understand everything that God does. But we don't want to add to them. So, you know, don't. I warn everyone who hears, the one who desires to, uh, everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Don't add to God's word. The most important thing that you can have in life is an understanding of what God said. Not, Not an understanding of what you would hope he said, but an understanding of what he said. Let him describe to you. Read the Bible if you want to know the definition of love. Read the Bible and let it define it. Read the Bible if you want to know the definition of marriage. Let let him, let the Bible do that for you. Read, read the scriptures if you want to understand how your attitude towards finance and money should be. Let, Let that tell you what it should be. Now, you may have opinions about all those things, and I'm not trying to say that you don't. You can have them. Just don't elevate it to God's word. You can say, this is what I think. I think understanding that, here's what my understanding would be. That's fine. You can go all day long and have those discussions. But if you're going to declare that it came from God, make sure it came from God. That's all. And that would clear up some of the things in life that need to be cleared up. There are things that God has said. There are also things that God hasn't said. Sometimes, here's some phrases I hear once in a while, somebody, I'm talking to them, they say, well, my God would never send anyone to hell. And I think, you're God. Is this somebody that you've made up in your head? Now, let's talk about who God is. Let's talk about justice. Let's talk about mercy. Let's talk about grace. We can have that discussion. But, but don't start saying the phrase, my God would be this way or is not God. See, that's adding, that's saying, well, God, I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to be just, but here's what I think justice means. And you go and you tell this, I'm adding to what's been said in the scriptures. God is love. That's what the scriptures say. If you understand love, then you begin to understand who God is. If you are confused by love, you're going to have a hard time. So what you want to do is keep reading the scriptures, keep seeing what it says, but don't just say, my God would do this. It would be as if, if you use that for me, you said, uh, Dave, you know, my Dave does this. And if you don't do this, you're not really Dave. And I'm thinking, I am too. I may not do what your expectations are. You might have certain expectations. They may not meet them. But I'm still Dave. Some phrase, some sort of phrase, and they say, don't you think that God... Okay, that's fine. You can say that. But, but remember, don't, don't try and develop a consensus about something other than God said. Don't try and believe for a moment that a majority of people, if they believe a certain thing, then that is right, even if it goes against what God's word has said. See, that's changing what God's word says. Some people would use the phrase, a God of love would never. Now fill in the blank, whatever it is. Well, God is love. And he does things. He he does things that are totally motivated by his love. And, And you can at times be confused by that. Just as a child is confused, how can mom love me when she won't give me what I want in the store? 
You know, they might accuse their parents of not loving them because they didn't get what they wanted. That's as far from the truth as it can be, but they're declaring that in public. You don't love me. That's not true. You see, we need to not add something. What the child is saying is that moment is, if you loved me, see, you would give me this. Well, that's a false premise. Another phrase you might use is, don't you think God would understand my, my sinful condition? Well, I, I guarantee he understands sin, and he understands what it does, and if that's what you're asking, but as far as accommodating you for it, that's not what he does. Remember, God is patient, but not tolerant. So again, you go through the Bible, and you start seeing, here's who God is, here's, here's who he is. And all I'm saying today is you and I might have the tendency in life to add to what he's doing, to add to what he's saying. Don't do that. Just say what he says and, and know more than that. I'm not saying as a teacher, as a person trying to explain it, you won't say, here's what I think. Good for you. Go on from there. Just preface it with that. You know, it's, I, I've done times where I've done funerals and talked to people who have... Um, Obviously, they're in a grieving state. and They'll say, well, what's going on with my loved one now? They're, they're not here. What's going on? And I would, I, I'd always preface it by saying, here's what I think. I would love to tell you exactly what heaven is like. I would love to tell you exactly what it's like, that moment that somebody leaves this earth and sees God. I, I'd love to tell you what that means. Here's what I know for sure, though. If they were a believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Why? Because God says that. That, that I know for sure. What does that mean exactly? Eh, let me tell you what I think. That's all I can do. I can't tell you exactly. It's interesting as you go through life to put yourself in a perspective. Deuteronomy 4.2 says about the same thing. It says, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. See, adding to them or taking from them means you're not keeping them. So you just want to know what God said. You want to keep it as simple as possible. We don't want to add. We don't want to take. Uh, Years ago, I talked about doing this phrase, doing right, right. Now, it's possible for people to do right but do it wrong. You don't want to do right, wrong. You want to do right, right. And how you do right, right, is by listening to what God says. You don't add to it. You don't subtract to it. I'll give you a couple stories. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, you know, the, uh, David gave the order to carry the Ark of the Covenant out. He gave it, and they, they put it on a cart. They put the, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They were bringing it home, and, and everybody was cheering, and it was a wonderful moment in history for the children of Israel. They were bringing the presence of God back to the country. That, that was good stuff. They're bringing, bringing back the Ark. However, there was a very particular way they were supposed to carry it. Now, I don't know all their thinking here. The Bible doesn't go into everybody's thinking. All right, but the way that they were supposed to carry it, the Levites were supposed to carry it on poles. That's how they were supposed to do it. And everybody knew that. But for some reason, they built a new cart and they put it on that. So for some reason. Now, if I were there and you were there and we were in the committee meeting trying to figure out how to get that ark back, I'm not sure what the reasoning was that they put it on a cart and didn't put it on the poles for the Levites. I'm I'm not sure. 
I don't think anyone has that. So I'm not going to add to God's word. So as I'm talking about it, I'm giving you indication how I'm not going to add to God's word. I just know they did it that way. But now I can speculate a little bit now that I've played the game with you. I can say, let me tell you what, you know, I don't know what went on, but something went on. They decided not to do it the right way. And there were people there that knew the right way. So something happened. So my mind goes into all these scenarios. You know, honestly, does it hurt to do it on a cart rather than carry it on poles? That would be my thought. I'll go to one of my phrases. Don't you think God would understand what we're trying to do? So we're adding a way to carry it. We're adding a new way. That should be acceptable to God according to us. You know, I don't know. Were the Levites so old and out of shape that David didn't, didn't want them to carry that without fear of having heart attacks along the way or something? And, and you know, so maybe this was a better alternative for all those out of shape Levite people. I don't know the answer. I don't know the reasoning. I know the principle. God had made very clear what they were supposed to do, and they didn't do it. So in this case, you can look at it and say they either went against what God said, or they justified what they were doing and added to what God said. And added something that they felt might have been more acceptable to the people of their day. Do you think that that we should ever add something to what God says to make his message more acceptable to the people of this day? The message that God gives us is appropriate for when he gave it to us and appropriate for all time in history. The message of God is love is good for Adam and Eve and it's good for Dave Wager. The message that I need to listen to God, not add to it or subtract to it, is a message for all time. So it's when you focus on what's said, I keep saying what's said is relatively small compared to what we say. The the truth is often very simple, very easy to understand. There is a God, I'm not him. I got that much. That's the truth. Now don't add to it. Well, God must be like this then, and he must have meant this in creation. He must have meant, okay, go ahead and add to it. But remember, don't preach it as truth. If you've heard me teach it all, I am not against speculating. I think speculating is a great fun thing to do in the Bible as you try and figure out what's going on. Just admit that's what you're doing at that point. You know, in this case, what happened is they put it on the ark and they're bringing it back and they're all celebrating. They're all, it's such a joyous occasion what they're doing. And that ark, that cart stumbles or wobbles. And one of the guys touched it and died. And the party stopped instantly. And and it's interesting because David was mad at God. And I can picture it. I can picture it. If I'm doing it, I'm going, God, everybody was celebrating. They were celebrating you, God. They were celebrating bringing you back. They were celebrating doing what's right. You know, David, you were doing right, but you were doing it wrong. It's not the fact that you wanted to bring the ark back that bothers me. It's the fact that you either excluded something I said or you 
added to something I said. I'm not sure which direction it went in. And you might say, well, it's always disobedience if you don't do exactly. Well, I'm playing with the words add and subtract here. But I think in my mind, when I justify something, I add it. And when I just deny it, I don't add it. So that's how I think in terms of adding to God's word. I, and I often wonder the story in Joshua. Remember how Achan went and he took the stuff for himself? And, you know, that he said, well, he disobeyed God. I think all the times when, when God asked the children of Israel when they conquered somewhere and they wiped, he told them to wipe everything out, you know, there were times where, where the leadership said, yeah, we spared this. You know, God, I, I thought I had a really better idea than you. I, I thought if we spared all the good stuff and we gave it to you, we spared it and gave it to you, that would be better than what you said. You don't get better than what God said. See, that's adding again to the word. And, and, and some of the leaders in Jewish history did that. They, they didn't listen to God. Again, that's the, the negative side. But then they added to it to make it better, to, to, Im, to improve the likelihood of God's word being pleasant to everyone around. Because I'll bet you when they told them to wipe out the enemy that that wasn't a real popular message. I'll bet you the people in the nation said, how could a loving God wipe out these people? I bet, you, I bet you they said that. And so maybe it was a way of the leadership saying, you know what, God is loving it, and we'll, we'll, show, we'll keep all the good stuff, we'll kill it, we'll, and we'll sacrifice that to God or something. I don't know what made Achan take what he did. Now, self-centeredness could be, could be he just defied God, I understand that. But I'm thinking maybe he had a discussion with his wife and thought, you know what? We can do a lot of good with this. We can do a lot of good with this. So maybe we should do what's wrong so that we can do what's good. Maybe, maybe that's what we should do. And, and certainly, God would understand if we do what's wrong in order to do what's good. See all the phrases I just threw in there that I talked about earlier. And before you know it, we look at him as somebody who did what's wrong, not somebody who did what was good. You know, Moses defied God in a way when he struck the rock rather than speaking to it. But again, we don't know his mind frame at that moment. I think he just kind of lost it cool and struck the rock. And if that's the case, that's the case. But he could have said, I need to put on a dramatic performance for these people to see. Could have been that too. I think all of us are capable of disobeying God, obviously. But I think we're also all capable of adding to what he said to try and improve how God looks to the people around us by adding something that's really not there. And we, we have to be careful when we do that. It's interesting how many times um, in the Bible, in the prophets, I went through once and I listed times where God told the prophet, quit praying for the people. It's not going to work. I've never, ever heard any human being tell another person not to pray for people. And I wouldn't, by the way. As a human, as Dave, I wouldn't. Right, it's not my position. I have no idea what God is doing sometimes. And I have no, I would never tell you not to pray. But the reason I point that out is because people have added a characteristic to God, saying that, you know, God will never 
He won't abandon people ever. Well, then why did he tell some people not to pray for those people because there was no hope for them? That's all I'm saying. Now, do I say that God would ever abandon people? Do I ever tell you God has given up on you? I would never do that because I believe in God's mercy and grace and I, I think it's extended to anyone that wants it. And that's God's business. See, that's what I've learned in the Bible. It's his business, not my business. I, I do know that I can't add to what he says. I can't tell you what he's doing sometimes. I would love to fill in the blank for you for the future. When somebody comes and says, why did God do this to me? I would love to give you a real answer for that. I would love to say, here's why he's doing it. I can see it. This is exactly why he's doing it. That would help you through the crisis. Wouldn't you have liked to have taken Job and shook him and said, here's what's really going on. Here's what's going on, Job. Love to do it. But did anyone on earth know what was going on? So there's three of his friends, three out of four of them that were wrong, and they came and they tried to tell him what was going on. And eventually God got upset because they were trying to add to his word. They were trying to add to it. Certainly this is what God's doing. They were trying to take what they understood about God and add, here's what he's doing for sure. Again, speculate, go ahead. But just please... Take the position of speculating when you speculate and say, I'm speculating. That's all. You can say certain things. I can tell you that the truth will set you free, that there is a truth. I can tell you that God is love. I can tell you that God loved us and man is separated from God by sin. I can tell you that he sent Jesus Christ down to this earth to die for all sinners. I can tell you all that stuff because that's what I know for sure. I can't add to what I know, though. I can't do that because... Only God is allowed to add to his own word. I can't do that. I am hoping that you as young people establish, develop a real respect for the word of God. Just a respect for what it says, what it doesn't say. And you live in the context of it. You, you don't add to it. You don't speculate. But when you do, you have the courage to say, this is what I think. Not this is what I know for sure. There's nothing new in the Bible. And teaching all these years the Bible, I'll have someone come up and say, what new are you teaching? And I'll usually say, nothing. There hasn't been anything new. God is still God. He still loves. We still sin. We, I'm teaching the same thing because that's all there is to teach. When are you going to come up with something new? There isn't anything. It was appropriate, again, for Moses, and it's appropriate for us, the truth of God's word. I encourage you, love God's word, get in God's word, know, know what it says, and just know what it says. Know what it doesn't say. And live in the realm of what it says. Don't add to it, don't subtract from it, do what it says. And if you don't understand it, you're okay, just say you don't understand it right now. You don't have to understand everything right now. Give it time. Maybe you won't understand it until you see God face to face. But if it's clear in the Bible, if it's absolutely clear, don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. It may not be clear. There's some things we may not be certain of because this passage or that, okay, fine. Just admit, I'm not clear. Nothing wrong with that. Let God deal with being God. All you need to do is represent him honestly and rightly, and you'll be okay. It's actually pretty simple. 
Because I can read God's word and I can say, here, this is what it says. I'm going to close with the idea. I've said it before, but talking to a group of ladies once when I was talking about Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. A lady came up to me afterwards and said, how dare you say that all these other people are wrong? And I just showed her the Bible and said, he said it. God said that. This is what the Bible says. Yeah, but you said it. I read it. That's all. I just read it and said it. And if you're mad at somebody, be mad at God. Be mad at what the Bible here. I'm just telling you what it says. I'm not. Don't kill the messenger. I, I don't make up the message. Some people like to make it up to make it more palatable. Don't make it more palatable. It is what it is. Let's live in that context. God loves each one of you. I can, I can proclaim that directly. I know that. He wants each one of you in his family. I know that. He wants to spend eternity with you. I know that. You're valuable to him. I know that. He wants you. I, I know that. See, there are some things I know. But I can't tell you everything about life. I can't tell you why you're cross-eyed. I can't tell you why a bunch of things. So I'm not going to speculate there. I'm going to tell you this, though, every time. you tell me, why did God do this to me? I go, do you know he loves you, though? Do you know that? First, let's start there. Let's start with what we know. And that stuff we don't know will take care of itself one day. Know the Bible. Read it. Know it. Father, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for this group. I pray that you continually allow them to see who you are. Let your spirit work in their hearts. Let them serve today in a way where everyone that sees them rejoices that God loves them. They see somehow God in the service of these people. Please keep us safe, protect us, provide for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.